This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. The chance to become world champions is on the line. Later, Liverpool play Brazilian side Flamengo in the Club World Cup final. A score to settle from 1981, with the Reds' own Brazilian stars looking to shine. I'm Guy Clark, and this is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast here on the Blood Red channel as we preview the Club World Cup final. Coming up, we'll be looking ahead to the match itself. We'll be talking all things Flamengo, their danger men, and just how Liverpool can get success, plus much. Much, much more besides. Well, joining us to do all of that is renowned Brazilian football expert Tim Vickery. Tim, thanks for your time. How are you? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm very well and really, really looking forward to the game. I've never looked forward to a final of the Club World Cup as much as I'm looking forward to Liverpool against Flamengo. And of course, you're based out in Rio. You're out there right now and I imagine the excitement is going through the roof. Oh, it really is. I mean, this, this, is, this is absolutely huge over here. And the Club World Cup is always the high point of the club calendar over here um, because it, it's the opportunity to, uh, to have a crack at those glamorous Champions League winners that you see on TV every week. You want to bring them down to size. So it's always huge. You know, to get a local team from Rio, it's a huge team with a national supporter base, but it's a local team here from Rio. That makes it even bigger. And the fact that it's Liverpool in the final makes it even bigger because uh, the greatest moment in Flamengo's history is that old intercontinental final in December of 1981 when they beat Liverpool 3-0. They're still singing about it. If they win on Saturday, they'll be singing about that until the next century. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a bit more depth in a bit. But as you say, it's one of those where I imagine they'll be uh, scripting new lyrics to the songs that have already been being sung out in uh, Doha. But in terms yeah, of... Yeah, there's this problem because 2019 doesn't rhyme quite as well as, <laughs> as 1981. So uh, they might have to come up with some new melodies. Yeah, certainly. But in terms of the, the prestige of the Club World Cup, is it the fact that the tournament is revered in itself or, as you say, more the opportunity to play the European Giants? Because I, I can't imagine the financial windfalls perhaps all too much for the clubs, is it? No, it, it, it's a prestige thing. Um, you know, and to be able to call yourself world champion, so that, that, that means a lot over here. But they do want it to be against the European champions. When after... After Flamengo won uh, Tuesday semi-final, uh, I was on a TV show over here where that was the that was the kind of survey we did with the audience. Who do you want in the final? Do you want Liverpool or do you want Monterrey? Now, no, on paper at least, it will be much easier to win the world title if it's Monterrey. But that's overwhelmingly not what the audience wanted. I think you know more than ninety percent of them were saying, "No, we want Flamengo in the final." So yeah, they but they they, they want to win it. They want to go back home with that world title. But it becomes much more heroic, much more dramatic if you've done it beating the Europeans. Yeah, definitely. Liverpool had to leave it late themselves to to get the win. But Flamengo, having just watched their Copa Libertadores final and then the semi-final uh, this week as well, they've got a bit of a knack at coming from behind. They've, uh, they've acquired the winning habit, a little bit like Liverpool in this respect. You know, they've, uh, they've been winning so much for so long that they, they now believe they can dig themselves out, out of any hole. I mean, since... Uh, um, the Portuguese coach, Jorge Jesus, took over. He took over in the middle of the year. There were a couple of defeats early on. But, uh, you know, after that, you know, from August onwards, from the start of August, 
they didn't lose. There's only one defeat, which was the last league game of the season where, you know, they'd already, already won the league by almost 20 points. So it was a kind of end of term, you know, letting off the fire extinguishers and listening to your Alice Cooper records. That's the only time they've, they've been beaten. So they've just acquired this, this, this winning habit uh, and uh, as have Liverpool. And that's one of the things that makes, it, makes this such an intriguing final. And in terms of Flamengo, is it a case of a club because the, the finances in the Brazilian game are not all too brilliant, but Flamengo do seem to sort of buck the mould in that respect and do seem to have a bit of money that they've obviously invested into the squad? Well, they're a massive club, a really, really huge club. I mean, they count their supporters in the tens of millions and it's a, it, it's a national club, you know, although it's, it's from Rio, they have a support base all over the country. Um, so uh, in, in recent years, they, they've been able to monetize that a little bit. So they, they, there is money behind them. They, they've assembled a good squad, a, a deep squad, uh, and, uh, and they've really cleaned up domestically. They, they've won everything that they can. It's, it's been an absolutely magical year for them, uh, and uh, this, this really is the cherry on top. If, uh, if, uh, if, if they can beat Liverpool on, on Saturday, it really will, will round off a, an, an absolute magical year. The only worry, and uh, you know, a, a few Flamengo-supporting journos uh, are kind of voicing this one off the air, um, in private. The only worry is if it all goes horribly wrong and they get humiliated. Looking at, at sort of Flamengo, obviously rich tradition and history as a club, but I suppose if they were to win this tournament and the year they've had, as you said, domestically, probably the greatest single season in the club's history because not too many Brazilian teams sort of seem to sweep up in the manner that, that this Flamengo side have. No, no doubt about it. It would be the greatest moment in, in, in their history, I think. Not least because... You know, 1981, they, 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 they all sing about 1981 and Liverpool. It's very important to them. But, you know, I did a, I did a TV show a few years back with the goalkeeper from that Flamengo side. And, and, and I said to him, kind of off air, I said, you know that from a Liverpool point of view, it was, it, was a, it was a friendly, really. And he said, oh, yeah, obviously, we all know that. But it's not in our interests to spread that one, to spread that story. Um, fast forward 38 years. And even though... Flamengo put a much higher priority on this competition than Liverpool do. Um, I don't think uh, the game is a friendly as far as Liverpool are, are, are concerned. So if they, if they do win in the final, they've beaten a much more motivated, much more prepared opposition than that great Flamengo side beat in 1981. And knowing the superstition that there is in South American football, you mentioned the, the point of the humiliation before. Of course, can't really escape and get away from the World Cup in 2014. Of course, it was Germany that did Brazil that day and, and really did humiliate them. I just wonder, with Jurgen Klopp being a German coach, if that's anything that's sort of been spoken about and in the psyche over there. No, no, the, 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 no, not really. I mean, there, there's quite in the, the kind of popular mind. There's quite a big separation between between club football and uh, and international football. And I have to say, as far as Rio is concerned, this is bigger than a World Cup. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. You know, in, in 25 years here, the way that uh, that people are really, really excited for for um, this game, uh, and uh, I, I told you that those that those journo's quietly to themselves 
uh, are worried about humiliation. But uh, that's really not the feeling from the streets, especially after the semi-finals. You know, especially after seeing Flamengo come back again and turn on the style in the second half, and Liverpool, even though with a greatly weakened side, have uh, more problems than anticipated against Monterey. Uh, and uh, you know, there's um, a lot of speculation here about what might happen if Virgil van Dijk is not fit to face Flamengo on Saturday. Can you even imagine the scenes if Flamengo, and you, you sort of said ahead of the game, you've not seen anything like it. I imagine if Flamengo were to win, there'd be a full week's worth of partying, would there? Yeah, just coming up to Christmas, um, just coming up to New Year. Um, I would feel a little bit sorry for supporters of, of uh, the other Rio teams who, uh, you know, <laughs> they would really have to keep their heads down. Um, the supporters of the other teams are a little bit divided on this, you know, because, uh, and some of them can't help being swept away by the beauty of the football that Flamengo have played over the last few months. It really has been a revolution in Brazilian football. But on the other hand, you know, the Flamengo fans, they really can get too big for their boots. Uh, and uh, 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 they, they, they can, they'll, they'll shout it out from rooftops again and again and again. And so the supporters of the other teams, I think, uh, would would be very, very happy to see them fall on their backsides. And looking at the Flamengo squad, it does seem to be one that probably would be prone to avoiding a humiliation, given the vast experience in the squad and the amount of players that have played quite long careers in Europe, certainly at the top level of Europe, thinking of the two fullbacks, Rafinha and Felipe Luiz, they're both well into their 30s now, but had distinguished careers, as has, of course, Diego as well. Yeah, I think you can you can kind of divide it. I mean, there's there's, there's a, a very strong European influence on this side. It's a, it's a European method of play with a higher defensive line. Um, and you can see players like the two fullbacks, like the goalkeeper, Diego Alves, like Diego, the playmate, who's become the 12th man. And he's the man who comes on late in the game when the, when the opposition are tiring and he finds a space. So you've got a nucleus of players like that with long European experience. And then you've got some players, younger players, who've been to Europe but didn't really come off. Doesn't necessarily mean they're bad players at all. You've got... Uh, um, the two up front, um, uh, Gabriel Barbosa, and for me, the real danger man, who is uh, Bruno Ihiki. You've got the central midfielder, Gerson. You've even got the um, Pablo Marie, the Spaniard, who, who's done so well since he's, uh, since, since, since he's come over. So that you, you can really see a European influence. But you mentioned there um, the, uh, the chance of, of, of humiliation. And if that were to happen... You've got to factor in this high line that play. And there is a risk with a high line. And look at uh, the way that Liverpool defended, you know, with that improvised defence against Monterey. That high line is all over the place at times. And uh, that's the worry for Flamengo as well, with the high defensive line that they play. And River Plate were able to, uh, to cause them some problems. For the first 25 minutes, Al-Hilal caused them all kinds of problems. Uh, and even in this long winning run that Flamengo have had, they haven't come up against anything like the speed, intensity, and quality that uh, that Liverpool can put against put up against them. You know, the likes of Salah, Mane, and and Firmino. So that for me is the key question: um, Can Flamengo defend against against Liverpool? Will they that they keep their high line, or will they drop deeper? If they drop deeper, they lose some of their essence as an attacking force. So that, that, for me, is the key question. 
can Flamengo defend against Liverpool? With the sub-question coming out of that, if Virgil van Dijk is, is either not playing or nowhere near uh, 100%, how will the Liverpool defence line up against uh, perhaps a little bit more of a threat than they faced against Monterey? Yeah, because ahead of the Monterey game, their coach came out and said, well, we understand that Liverpool are going to be superior, so we probably will adjust the way we play and sit a bit deeper. But the way you talk there, it doesn't sound as though that would suit Flamengo. With the the fast forwards of Barbosa and uh, Bruno Enrique up front, it it would sort of seem hitting Liverpool on the counter might work. But the way you sort of say there of, of how the team is set up, it is all about being on the front foot and being aggressive. Well, they, they haven't done anything else um, the, 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 since Jorge Jesus took over. That's the way that they've played. Uh, and it's the way that they've played even when they've been winning 3-0, three, 4-0. Three nil, nil. You know, uh, uh, the, the general way that uh, most Brazilian sides play these days, and Liverpool fans will have seen some of this um, with that game against São Paulo in 2005, is very deep defence and counter-attack. Uh, the, the revolution of this, this Flamengo side under Jorge Jesus has been that high line. And it's high. It's that high line that allows them to play that front four. Before, with the previous coach, they weren't able to play the, the front four altogether because if the defensive line is deeper, there's just too much space then opens up between the, 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 the attack and the defence. And that's where the, the, the opponent can, uh, can construct can, and organise their, 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 their counterattacks. So it's the high line that's permitted them to play the two up front, Gab, Gab, Gabriel and Bruno Hickey, backed by the two playmakers, Everton Hibero and the Uruguayan. Um, so if they don't play the high line, they're not the Flamengo that they've been for months. But can they do it against Liverpool? It's one of the questions that makes this game so fascinating. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. So... Is it sort of the Flamengo are set up sort of more than the sum of their parts as an attacking unit, or or is there one guy really that that does make them tick that never that Liverpool need to be aware of and need to shut down? Well, for me, the the, the, the main force is is, is Bruno Hickey. and Gabriel gets lots of the attention, and he's been scoring plenty, but he is very left-footed. Bruno Hickey, I think, is more complete. He's, uh, he's, he's got the dribbling skills of a winger. He's got the penalty area presence of a centre-forward. I mean, he was involved in all three goals that they scored um, uh, against Al-Hilal. And uh, that's, uh, that, that vital equalising goal um, against River Plate, that came also from his good decision-making at, at, at a vital time of the game when uh, he could have just hit, the, hit, a, hit a hopeful ball into the box and he played a measured pass behind the line. So for me, Bruno Hickey is the main threat. But I think you're right in, 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 in the, the, the assertion that it, it's, it's more of a collective thing than anything else. It's a collective idea. And certainly the fans see it that way. And before all of the Flamengo games, they will go through the lineup and, 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 and sing a song for all of the players and, and so on. And the biggest cheer is always for Jorge Jesus, the coach. So there's a, there's a real recognition that uh, the Portuguese man with the big hair has brought something very different to, to, uh, to, to Brazilian football. Yeah, because not often we, we see the European coaches going to Brazil, but he has, I suppose, worth noting on the uh, the role he's played. He has had a remarkable influence, given he's only been in the job little over six months. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's, there's considerable resistance to the idea of foreign coaches in, in, in Brazil. And the, the domestic coaching fraternity really loved it and really would have, would have preferred him to fail. But uh, what he's done, has, it, it's on a, such a different level from everything else. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how the rest of Brazilian football responds to it. And we've seen, uh, and Flamengo's biggest competitor, Palmeiras, um, after they, they lost home and away to, to Flamengo this season in the league. And straight after those defeats, they sacked, they sacked their coaches both times, both former national team coaches, because they looked at Flam- what Flamengo were doing. And you know, the, the, the difference was so vast that, uh, that they became deeply unsatisfied with the way that their own coaches were, were, were um, setting up the side. So it really has shaken up Brazilian football. Uh, and uh, and if, if, if Flamengo were to lose heavily, um, that, that it would be a big, big downer. Because, uh, you know, as this is, a, this is a new force, this is a new way of playing, there's a real hope that finally South America has a side that can rival the best that Europe has to offer. With that then, is there a fear that the likes of the front two, Enrique, as you mentioned before, and Barboza, with the amount of goals he's scored, and of course he's only on loan from Inter Milan, is there a fear that their best players may get picked off or does this Flamengo side and club have the the financial backing to perhaps be able to try and keep hold of some of these players? Yeah, I mean, with uh, with Gabriel Barboza, he's 23 uh, and uh, clearly there is a temptation to uh, to go back to Europe because and he, he did nothing at Inter Milan or, or, or Benfica. And if he doesn't go soon, he may not get the chance again. So they might struggle to hold on to him. And Bruno Henrique is just about to, to turn 29. And uh, it's, I think it's, it's unlikely that he's going to get a... The European clubs these days are just not buying South American talent um, you know, in from South America at that age. And he went to Germany and, and failed dismally. Um, he's got more offers from China. Um, but if these players are to go, there, there's, there's, uh, there's money there to bring in others, to build another team. Uh, and uh, South American football has got used to this over recent years. It's got used to the fact that success inevitably places your best players in the shop window. You move them on, you bring in, you bring in others. So if Flamengo were to lose them, yes, it would it, it would uh, it, it would be a blow. But um, they'd use their financial muscle to look for replacements. And Barbosa himself is a guy who over 30 goals this year. He, he has been tentatively, I suppose, linked with Liverpool himself, sort of doing much of the work, saying Liverpool's a team everyone wants to play for. And speaking about Roberto Firmino, it, it's obviously clearly not worked for him in Italy. Does he have the kind of skill set that would suit the Premier League? I think he's got, he's got three problems. One is his temperament. And he's, he's a hothead. There's an element of spoiled brat. And there was a little kick that he gave when he got himself sent off at the end of the Libertadores final. Yeah. There was a little kick that he gave in the, in the semi-final that uh, could have brought repercussions. And he, he picks up as many cards as he scores goals. So his, his temperament is a problem. And I think that was a problem for him um, in Europe, uh, not only in, in Italy with Inter Milan, but also in, in Portugal with, with Benfica. Another problem is that he is very, very left-footed. Um, you, you get him on his, his weaker right foot and he's, he's not nearly as effective. And, you know, top class penalty area operators, they can't afford to, to line things up like, like, a, like a golf shot. You know, you've got to take it as it comes. And, and the third problem, I think, is that he 
is not an out-and-out centre-forward, and he's not a winger. So, you know, the, the modern trend, if you like, for, for 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, there isn't really a position there that suits him. Both he and Bruno Henrique have really flowered in the last few months in a 4-4-2. You know, when Jorge Jesus first arrived, he wanted a, a target man centre-forward. That's what he was looking for. He couldn't get one. So he's ended up improvising the pair of them uh, in, a, in a kind of mobile front four. So Gabriel is, is free there to wander across the attacking line, to drop deep. Uh, and uh, um, that, that kind of flexibility, I think, has brought the out of him. So uh, if, if he's going to come off at a top-level European club, I, I think he, 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 has to, uh, he has to mature. I think he has to work on the right foot. And he has to find a club that will play him in more of a free attacking role. He's much more of a striker suited to 4-4-2 than 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Yeah, I remember he and Gabriel Jesus sort of both coming on the, the scene for the national team at a similar time. Of course, Jesus has gone off to Manchester City and he's doing what he can there. But Barbosa sort of, I, I suppose, stuck in the comfort of South American football, having not really seen his, his first foray into European football really come off for him. No, and he did get back into the Brazil squad um, a couple of months back. Uh, and, uh, you know, scoring goals for Flamengo does give you a great platform to, uh, to get, get, get into, the, into the reckoning for the, for the national team. So um, that, that's, that's been one way of, of, of firing up his career. Um, but really on Europe is unfinished business. Flamengo would love to keep him. They, they, you know, they've been trying to get the money together to, to buy him. But it really depends now on what he wants. Um, because, uh, you know, as I say, if he le- if he puts you off, he may not get another chance because of his age. And that's obviously the, the Flamengo point of view taken care of. But a, a quick word on a few of the Brazilian players, of course, in the Liverpool ranks. Because if Flamengo can't win it for Brazil, I suppose Alisson Becker and Roberto Firmino, whose goal got Liverpool into the final, would that lead to any consolation over in Brazil? Yes, yes, some, um, and especially with uh, with Alisson, I think, because uh, he's uh, you know, played successfully here, not for very long, but played successfully here for for Internacional, uh, and uh, is they're very very proud of having the man now judged the world's best goalkeeper, and especially if uh, if he performs as heroically as as he did against Monterrey, Firmino is 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 more of a. Uh, because remember with Firmino, they didn't see him in club football. He played a little bit second division, but really made his name in Germany before before moving to uh, to, to to England. Recently, he's been the national team centre forward, and it really hasn't come off. He hasn't done well, which I don't think is his fault. Uh, I, I think the uh, the Brazil national team coach kind of made a mistake because. He decided simultaneously, this is in the wake of the uh, of the defeat to Belgium in, in the World Cup, that, that he, he should have gone with Firmino up front and not Gabriel Jesus. But he also decided that his team were too open and he wanted his fullbacks to be more cautious. So he made those two changes, which I don't think have any coherence in themselves. Because look at the way that Firmino operates at Liverpool. You've got those two fullbacks pushing up all the time. Magnificent two attacking fullbacks. And this allows the front three 
to stay close together. And it allows Firmino to link the play and do, you know, do what he does so well, linking the play there with, uh, with uh, Salah and Mane. With Brazil playing more defensive fullbacks, poor old Firmino was left isolated up front for, for, for Brazil with uh, the other strikers left very wide and obviously left isolated. He doesn't really have the physical presence to be a traditional number nine um, sent forward. So that, that move never worked, never worked for Brazil. And in fact, in the last game, they ended a long run without a win. In their last game, they, 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 they dropped him. They played Richarlison of Everton up front. So a lot of journalists over here have been saying, oh, we should get Firmino out of the national team and Gabriel, Gabriel Barbosa should be our, our, our centre forward. So uh, the, um, the game on, on Saturday is a really good opportunity for Firmino to show the Brazilian public just what he can do when he's in the right context. Yeah, some uh, head-to-head that then between the two forwards. And a final one on a guy who won't be playing through injury, but Jurgen Klopp did speak about it in a press conference a few weeks back saying it's OK when he goes away with Brazil because he never plays. I don't really understand why. And that being Fabinho, who for Liverpool has become such a, a key, key player in the system for Jurgen Klopp. Yes, he has. Um, remember, he's he's uh, competing um, for a place in the national team with uh, with Casemiro, uh, you know, first choice for Real Madrid. That's some competition there, and uh, and maybe the defensive side of Casemiro's game is better than uh, the defensive side of, of of Fabinho's. Nice problem for a national team coach to have. Yeah, and I suppose with Fabinho, he's had that weird thing where through growing up he's played right back central midfield defensive midfield he's probably never quite nailed down a place in that national side for Brazil yeah and Brazil had a look at him at right back recently um, but uh, I think they've, they've accepted that his position is is midfield he, he's had little goes here and there uh, hasn't always looked particularly convincing for Brazil we've yet to see for Brazil anything like the form he, he shows for Liverpool. But a lot of that, I think, has to do, again, with the way that the fullbacks bomb forward and the way that Liverpool just hold you back in your own half. And that opens up space for Fabinho to dominate the game. Um, you know, he, he's often in, in, in lots and lots of space to dominate the game and, and pick out his passes. So, again, a little bit like with, with Firmino, Jurgen Klopp, has managed to to, uh, to to create a collective context in which the individual ability of the player is is shining, and we haven't really yet seen that with Fabinho for Brazil in the limited opportunities that he's had. Well, Tim, it's been great to to pick your brains ahead of the game. Thanks a lot for uh, for joining us and having a chat with us here on Blood Red. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Tim Vickery here with us on the Blood Red channel, previewing Liverpool's Club World Cup final with Flamengo. Well, do make sure you join us after the game for all the reaction you need in the post-game pod. We'll hear from our team out in Doha, Jurgen Klopp's press conference and Liverpool fan reaction as well. Thanks, though, for joining us here on Behind Enemy Lines. Remember, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content from Blood Red, as well as subscribe from wherever you get your audio on demand. Until next time, though, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.